Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. This is our fall 2022 wrap up where we go back and check on the most recent seasonal anime and see whether or not they stuck the landing. Uh, my name is Vry. I'm the uh, managing content editor at Anime Feminist. You can sort of find me on Twitter at Writer Vry, where I post freelancing stuff. Or you can join our Discord, basically, at this point. <laughs> I'm not on social media a lot right now. And with me is Peter and D. Yeah, I'm Peter Fobian. I'm a manager of YouTube strategy and content at Crunchyroll and an editor here at Anime Feminist. Hi, I'm D. I also go here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Mastodon at Jose Next Door. I'm trying to expand my social media presence in case uh, Twitter implodes tomorrow. That having been said, I'm still mostly active on Twitter. So follow me there, and you can hear me uh, dissolve into a puddle in real time as Pokemon ends in the upcoming months. Oh, oh bud. You can do it. I'm I am simultaneously ready for a finale and incredibly not ready for a finale. It'll be great. That's not what this episode's about. Continue. No. All right. As I mentioned, this is our season wrap up. If this is the first time you've joined us for one of these, what we do is we go from the bottom of our premiere digest and work upwards. Uh, sometimes shows move around and where they'd be categorized, quote unquote, uh, from their first episode, but it's easy to have a, it's easiest to have a static list to, that people can reference back to. So for our season end podcast, we also cover sequels, which means we are going to be skipping right to the neutral zone uh, with my master has no tail, which D uh, you finished. I think you are the only one on the cast who finished it. I, I had the best intentions, but I'm just going to read the manga. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know what, I wasn't the only person on staff who finished it, but yeah, I'm the only person on call who did. Um, yeah, my master has no tail. What we finally described, we finally called Tanuki Go on staff uh, because it's the Tanuki Rakugo show. So, um, and it was an easier shorthand than whatever I could have come up with. Master has no tail. Anyway, um, I like the show a lot. I was a fan of the manga going in um, because this series is custom made for me. It is a historical fantasy comedy about a Tanuki doing Rakugo. Like somebody worked on this in a studio and went this show is for d we made this for her here have it uh, which i appreciate um there's not a whole lot of as far as like you know content consideration type stuff pretty much everything i mentioned in the three episode check-in and that got talked about briefly on the podcast at the mid-season like nothing the back half is pretty unobjectionable i think there's like i think there's a little there's some mild fan service in one episode but it's like it's very sporadic and very mild yeah um otherwise i think the back half of the show is where the manga really found its stride and i thought the anime did a nice job of adapting the material um it's not a like super duper dynamic adaptation and i will continue to say that i think the rakugo performances probably could have been better done um but also you know mm. shoagen roku rakugo shinju set an absurdly high bar for what i think rakugo performances in anime should look like so maybe that's unfair to my master has no tail um but Although I do think the back of, uh huh. Oh yeah, Ishida gets it's almost a meta joke. Uh, Akira Ishida, who played the lead in Rakugo Shinju, uh, and absolutely nailed it out of the park. Best performance of a very terrific career. Um, he is a he's one of the four masters who are um, major characters in the second half, 
and he it's kind of a meta joke like his character is kind of the old grump of the group and i love it um he doesn't get to do a lot of performance work but it, it was it was good to hear him hear him in a rakugoka role again um and i know that they intentionally cast him in that part like i know that was a that was like an inside anime joke so I appreciated that. No, the back half is it expands the cast. You get more of Bunko's backstory and history and like the lineage of um, that Rakugo performance line, the Daikokute family. Um, and I think that expansion of the world and especially Bunko as a character um, is really where the series like takes off because it's fun up until that point. But at that point, you you start you just the relationships between the characters really start to solidify. You start to see Mamida coming into her own as a performer. Um, I think that is, I would love for this to get a second core. I don't think it would, but I would love it if it did because I've continued to keep up with the manga and I really, really like the arcs that come after the four masters arc. I really enjoyed and then, and then everything that's come after that. I've also really, really liked. Um, so if you enjoy this at all, I would recommend the manga like a hundred percent. Um, at this point, it, it does kind of function as an adaptation for the manga. That having been said, um, they do find a satisfying stopping point. Even reading it, I was like, oh, this is where the anime is going to end. And I was right. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I, if, if you can, again, there's a little bit of fan service. There's one character who's like grabby towards Mamida and it's played off as a joke. And it happens like, it happens like once in the anime and like three times in the manga over the course of like eight volumes. So it's very sporadic, but obviously it is something to keep in mind. Um, but if that's not like an automatic deal breaker for you, um, I think this is a really fun series about like the tension between the past and the present and, you know, how art and entertainment can create connections um, between generations, individuals, different cultures. Um, those are all like kind of under through lines in the story, in addition to it just being like a very charming and fun uh, little fantasy comedy series about a tanuki learning Rakugo from a fox spirit. So uh, yeah, I like this one a lot. Read nice. the manga if you don't, even if you don't like the anime, go read the manga. It's fun. Okay, the end. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to reading the manga. I mm -hmm. am. Nice. All right. Well, that is a good, that's a good primer on that one, which moves us up quite a few more paces to uh, do it yourself. I don't have a whole lot more to say about this one. I quite liked it. I thought it wrapped up in a very pleasant, relaxing sense it's a good hobby show i think one of my favorite things about it ultimately is that uh is the i think i mentioned this on the, the mid-season the fact that it is a series about doing things by hand and sort of analog things that isn't grr kids on their phones these days it's it very much embraces technology in a sense of technology is great technology opens up a lot of new cool things we can do including crafting but also it's like if you have these time if you have this time because of object you know the convenience of technology what do you want to do what brings you happiness and i think that's a really nice sweet spot mm -hmm. and uh, also i feel uh the the back half i think really eases off on the funny klutz stuff which i've had a little overdone in the first few episodes so yeah. that was nice too uh, yeah, I don't have, I finished this one. This one was one I quasi dropped halfway through the season just because I was keeping up with a lot of shows and I went on holiday and got busy. Um, I did come back to it and finish it. It was nice. I don't, it's not, I don't think it's one that's necessarily going to stick with me. Um, 
But yeah, it's nice. If you, it's one of those, there's some like girl hobby shows where I'm like, even if you're not really into that genre, I think you might like this. With DIY, I think you need to like that genre at least a little bit because it's, it's very much that. Um, but it, it, it does, it does a, it does a very good job within that genre of like chill out and learn a hobby type shows. So yeah. Um, and I think you guys covered all the like more critical aspects of it in the mid season. So probably just direct folks to that. I don't think there was anything new that cropped up in the back half that would need to be discussed in detail here. Not that I, there's like the one really bizarre scene of the little robot watching, um, Jobko and Purin having like, having like a, a, a fight in the bath and waxing about, you know, the, poetry of youth that is bizarre and never comes up again and it's not yeah. like the bathing scenes are sexualized so it's just this weird scene i hate that yeah. <laughs> never funny and just kind of weird and leery i was i was on the robot side at first because i felt like Putin was treating him like shit it I, it doesn't really have a gender right it's a robot um it's a, it's a, it's, robot. a it's a jellyfish robot um but yeah then in the back half it felt like it was hovering in weird ways and i was like mm, i don't know what this character is now but it finally got its upgrade so good for it, it it's um, not quite it, it's not quite the the robot from flip flappers but it could have no, been no 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 no, no. it, it wasn't yeah um yeah there's yeah, the back half, there's quite a few bathing scenes. They're not like framed in a in a leering way, but there were definitely moments where I was like, there's some scenes where it's like, okay, you're using the bath as like a time of like intimacy and quiet where Putin can like let down her guard a little bit. And I think that makes sense thematically. But then there were definitely times where I'm like, did you have to set this scene in a bath? Did you have to do that DIY? Mm. Um, so y- your mileage may vary with that. Um, overall, it didn't really bother me, but yeah. Um, yeah, no. fair enough. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, reincarnated as a sword. None of us on here are watching it. Uh, Chiaki's discussion of it in the in our uh, work Slack was pretty much, yeah, it is what it is. So basically nothing new to report uh, since the short commentary she had on the mid-season. Mm-hmm. I think we can move on it from there because there's a lot to talk about yeah i I think it i think it's getting a season two i think chiaki mentioned so (laughs) like there will be more of it maybe she'll have more to talk about when that drops so nice uh but there is a lot to talk about with raven of the inner palace so i want to kind of hustle on to that it doesn't have an ending d yeah, I was kind of surprised at the way it sort of just stopped. Um, and I don't know if that's because they didn't actually... Because I thought they were going to try to like blaze through seven light novels in 13 episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't adapt the whole thing. Or maybe it intentionally ends sort of open-ended. Um, I, I won't know until all the novels are out in English. And I will be reading them, which is my way of saying I do recommend this show despite it kind of just stopping. Um, they ra- it, they wrap up like the major arcs, but there's kind of an overarching story with her and the emperor that we, it feels like there was supposed to be something else there. Some final, some conclusion to, to, uh, I want to call her Jusetsu because that's what the, that's what they say, but it shows uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the series uses the. Chinese names in the subs, but the characters use the Japanese pronunciation of the kanji. So, Jusetsu, Shouzue, whatever you want to call her. Um, There's a lot going on with her, and we get kind of a big reveal in the back half about the the god, effectively, 
that she works with and like gets her powers from and it's a big reveal and then yeah it definitely feels like there's a few episodes missing um but again that having been that having been said i really enjoyed this series i really really liked it and i'm excited to read the light novels and i'm curious to see if there's more to the story or if the idea of it is more if the concept is like you know there are things in our lives that we can't necessarily control and we do the best we can within the boundaries of of you know how we exist and maybe that maybe that is the point of the series and so there isn't going to be like a tidy conclusion to mm-hmm. some of the some of the plot points we learn later on in the show so maybe that's the point i'm curious uh, yeah maybe i um, i would if i had to take bets uh guess that it's an incomplete adaptation. It, yeah. it does the thing that I think I've seen a lot of incomplete adaptations do over the years, which is where they find sort of a, it, it, it reminded me of the end of the land of the lustrous anime mm-hmm. where they find kind of a place of emotional closure for Shosue, where mm-hmm. she kind of comes face to face with this fact that she's both afraid to rely on people and afraid to be alone mm-hmm. and uh, sort of ties that up uh not not like concludes it, but reaches a place of growth for her that's really yes. satisfying. Yeah. But also it's it's leaving like a lot on the table with her relationship with Gaojun, which mm-hmm. I had he's where it's like it's kind of turning into a love interest territory. But I did enjoy how much effort the show places into developing their friendship without like there's a sense of attraction between them, but they're it's not like well the friendship is a transitory state to when they decide to smooch like it yeah, feels yeah. important that they have this mutual care for each other and yeah, i really like that about the show uh, yeah me too and i, I really like that there's there's a, a pretty big moment shortly past the midway point where they basically realize that uh Shouzue's role was supposed to be like equal to the emperor and then patriarchy happened and she got like shuffled into this like consort role um where she was you know, hidden where not not her specifically, but the line of Raven consorts were hidden away. Um, and Gaojun comes to her and goes, "Hey, that's wrong, and you should have the you should have that power that your your role is supposed to have." Um, and effectively, like they meet as equals, and then it's really after that that they I think their relationship starts to kind of develop into more of a romantic area. So I really liked that point in the story where they they really made a point of going. We're trying to remedy some of these. Um, cri- I mean, the whole show is about like remedying the crimes of the past, right? Like mm-hmm. the 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 oppressions and the inequalities and the yeah the the wrongs that had happened with the previous generations and like trying to find a way forward that is more equitable and watching mm-hmm. the show grapple with that within the confines of we still live in a society where like there's a lot of people we who would disagree with that um i think it's 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 very interesting to watch and i i like the way the the show approaches that cuz i don't i don't think it's it's easy and simple and i you know i appreciate when when media tries to talk about that so I do think it runs into a little bit of trouble and I'd be very, I assume that this comes up more in the light novels because in prose you just have more room to develop this kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think it occasionally stumbles on the fact that uh, your love interest is the emperor who nominally has unilateral say on everything. And obviously Mm -hmm. the later episodes try to get a bit into like, well, there's other power play considerations going on here and, you know, potential, the, the potential of like a coup if you go too far. But I think, I think, especially in that first half, there's a, it, 
sometimes, you know, you, you face up with the question, well, why can't he just fix, fix, why can't he just say, okay, it's okay for the, like, fix things for specific people, even. Yeah. I, you know, and maybe it's just, I've, I've watched a lot of, um, like, Chinese-inspired court fantasy type stories, and knowing what I do know about, like, and I took some courses on dynastic history, so knowing what I know mm-hmm. about that time period, I went into this with the context of the emperor has a lot of power, but still has to get things passed through various um, ministers, and you know, you you've got to you've got to keep the aristocracy happy, and like I know about the that it's not. It's not the king can do as he likes, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go tyrant mode to an extent, but you have to, like, get rid of a lot of people along the way. Like, it, it gets it gets bloody fast. Um, Fair. And, so, like, maybe and, and, like, Gaojun, that's obviously not how he wants to build his his line. I mean, that's kind of how his line starts, but that's not <laughs> where he wants to go from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is the starting point. And so, and I think that is that it's that, it's that repeating the mistakes of the past and then going, wait, how do we not do that anymore? Um, mm-hmm. So, so that didn't necessarily bother me. Cause I was like, yeah, no, you have to, you have to jump through a lot of hoops to make like actual lasting changes to the, you know, the culture and the legal system and what have you. Um, so I, I, again, yeah. I hope, I hope there's more in the light novels because I would really like to see where the story was taking those themes or, you know, a season me two too. would be great. Small studio that did this show. Um, yeah, I don't, not? I'm not holding my breath, but I'd like it. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I mean, it seems like it did okay. At least it it, it was it, it kept popping up on the most watched roll on the uh, the Crunchyroll homepage. That's a good time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a I think it was a it was a good I think it was a solid adaptation. I liked some of the visual decisions they made. There's a lot of people standing around in a room talking, but that's also what the story is. So, mm-hmm. um, I would yeah. I, I, I recommend it and I'd like there to be more of it. The end. <laughs> Same. Uh, housing Complex C, you basically covered all of. We don't need to talk about that. I covered the whole thing in the three episode review. Moving past. You did. Uh, Chainsaw Man. Peter, do you want to talk for a minute? Chainsaw Man's a lot. Oh, I, what, I, I'm trying to even remember what we talked about last time to see if there's any other developing points we could discuss or if it was just like... Yeah, we, we got uh, it. Chainsaw Man's better when it's an ensemble show. There, uh, that's that's my main point about the second half because I, fe- man, it w- the middle bit started to be kind of a slog because Denji's a well-written character. He has understandable trauma, and he kind of fucking sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways. Uh, so it's a lot. The show's a lot more engaging to watch when he is, like I said, part of an ensemble and also getting away from him as the point of view character means we've also gotten away from 95% of the female characters we've introduced uh, are framed through trying to manipulate Denji with sexual favors, uh, which is only good for the show. So now the cast has also expanded a bit. We get to see uh, and retracted characters. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yes, in other ways. Yeah. Things can linger longer. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't go here. <laughs> I, yeah. I have decided not to watch Chainsaw Man. Because I'm a hipster. Adjust nice. glasses. Wow. So cool. <laughs> I mean, no, I just, there's a particular, Vry basically said it's kind of like Devilman Crybaby. So if you liked that, you'll like this. And I went, I didn't like that. So All right. I, I didn't, I didn't like Devilman Crybaby, but I really like Chainsaw Man. So okay. I, well, I don't know if you yeah. could. 
take that. I, if, it's if, less. It's less relentless than cha- uh, yeah. than Crybaby is. I think if I think if I ever give Chainsaw Man a try, I will give it a try in manga form. But it honestly it reminds me of something like Berserk, where it's not something I particularly enjoy watching, but I really like hearing people who are enthusiastic about it talk about it. So mm-hmm. I would like to sit down with fans of Chainsaw Man and have them narrate the entire story to me. <laughs> Around a campfire, I think that would be the best way to to for me personally to experience Chainsaw Man. Are you afraid so. of the dark style? Yes, the manga is not a bad way to go. Honestly, like I think the anime has been quite pretty. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it's certainly very shiny, but there's just it just it's like Clamp, right? You just can't replicate Fujimoto's um, paneling at a certain point because mm-hmm. he's so good at creating this sort of breathtaking detail uh work well there's literally some manga panel stuff that he does that it it, you cannot do in anime like like stuff outside in the gutters and whatnot like Mm. it's it's, some of it's unadaptable to the anime medium so Mm. you can only get that through the manga for sure they did their best you know uh, (laughs) trying to do it in the anime but you know you're not going to get the same thing also true of land of the lustrous actually uh, just some some manga medium specific really cool like stylistic things uh, that Haruko Ichikawa did. You just can't adapt to anime, so they uh, the, they have to either get really creative or just not do that, or just do it anime. like a straight up yeah. I yeah. which and which is one of the things that makes the Lustrous adaptation is I think they did get very creative with it in ways that that worked in 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 the in the other medium. You know, I I love an adaptation that takes chances and tries to do something different because I don't think an anime needs to be a shot for shot of the manga. There are people out there who would disagree with me. Um but yeah, so that's 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 neither here nor there. Let's circle let's circle back to Chainsaw Man. Um do you guys think so I mean I they're gonna adapt the whole thing, right? Like oh, I don't definitely. know if there's been an official yeah, so like this might be one where we maybe want to have a retrospective at some point and really like dig it. It feels like a diggable series. Am I incorrect about that? Like it feels like there's a lot you could talk about. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's it's a series that I like, uh, especially now that it's starting to get into the part where the series really hooked to me, and I wasn't just kind of gritting my teeth through it because I was in lockdown. Uh, it, they introduced my favorite character, uh, the Angel Devil. I love them, and it's just. I don't know. I, I bet this will be three core if I had to guess. Yeah, I think we're about like 30 to 40% of the way through the manga right now. Well, at yeah. least part one of the manga since they, they have the part two now. Yeah, but part two, Denji's not the protagonist of part yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. So, so. That's, that's completely separate. I'm sure they'll adapt that eventually too. But yeah, I, I feel like where we are with Chainsaw Man right now is kind of where uh, we were and maybe still are with uh, G-Witch, which is like there's a lot going on and we're sort of like in the middle of this huge narrative buildup. And it's yeah. kind of hard to discuss uh, how the execution of things and and like how it all gets laid out because a lot of it just hasn't been done yet. Or I guess it has, but uh, it's not in the anime yet. So it's not really at yeah. a good time to discuss that's a terrific segue because the next show on our list is Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Brian and I you, finished the Brian and I finished the most recent episode right before we recorded this episode. Holy shit, uh, that's all I can say. I don't want to spoil uh, things for folks at home, but holy shit, that finale. I just said, oh shit, so many times. <laughs> oh man. God, this is my anime of the season. I love it so much. Anime? is good and watching every time i watch the witch from Mercury, i'm like yes this is why i got into this medium this is why i can't quit this medium 
God, I just, it's just, it is just a riveting, it's just a riveting piece of fiction. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how Gundam stays relevant to, uh, like, every, every time they do something really off the wall like this, I, I feel is like how they have survived as a franchise. Yeah, this is very, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Gundams, but this feels very different from every Gundam that has come before it. And people who have watched more Gundam could could probably fact check me on that. Um uh, definitely some of the more recent Gundams, I think, have tried to incorporate some sort of like more modern military content, possibly in critical mm-hmm. ways, uh, into their storylines. But then yeah. every once in a while, they do like this uh, interesting like genre pieces, like G Gundam, or probably the most infamous would be Gundam Wing, since that one uh, hugely successful and, yeah. and very uh, atypical for Gundam up until that point, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Don't come after me, Gundam. Films. I mean, yes and yeah. no. I mean, whatever whatever the uh, Gundam purists will tell you, Tomino himself is like, oh, yeah, Dojin artists uh, and Fujoshi kept Gundam alive. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like, recognizing and catering to their uh, female fans, especially, because uh, that's a considerable portion of the Gundam fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, the, it is incredible how Witch from Mercury is, on the one hand at the end of the episode 12, almost entirely set up, but also a complete sort of arc Mm -hmm. uh, where from beginning to, we, we have, we reach a big turning point in Mirine and Suleta's relationship at the end. And then we've also, uh, it does a really good reversal in the places where the two of them are with their parents, basically where they, they've swapped positions by the end of core, which yeah, the the final the whole show is a lot of is a lot of parent child relations, um, and that final episode hits hits that hard um, across the board. So uh, again, since this just we'll be dropping this episode like same day, I don't want to get too yeah. too deep into it. Um, and we've basically already promised that the show's going to have a retrospective at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it it feels like one that there'll be plenty to talk about because there's there's a lot of like background like politics and like Peter was talking about like like military critique type stuff. Um, there's an interesting angle in terms of like disability technology and how that can get um, how how technology can be used you know in ways that are both like beneficial for people and then also like to murder to do the murders so yeah. many murders. Um, uh-huh. but, but then, but then there's also just like, and this is what I really like about this show. I love that they started it with the kind of school setting because I think it really gave them time to develop the cast and set the characters up as just as kids, right. As kids going to school. And now we're going to start throwing them into the more, into what people, a lot of people think when they think of Gundam, which is like, you know, the big action set pieces, the war, the wars, the battles. And so having that baseline of like who they are and how this will change them is, I, it, I think it's going to make this, it, it's what, it's what is really keeping me locked into this because I've sometimes struggled with Gundams because I feel like they throw you into the fights very early and there's that sense of like, why am I invested in this battle? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the pacing of Witch from Mercury thus far and am really excited to see where, excited and terrified to see where it goes from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've straight up transitioned from, uh, these are like war game duels where no one gets mm-hmm. hurt to, uh, uh, you have to kill someone this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, there were, I think, plenty of people who watched the episode zero that was mainly input uh, that was composed mainly of info dumping and war crimes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then came to episode one and were like, whoa, that's a total whiplash. Good news. We got back around to the war crimes. We did circle back around to war crimes. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, Saleta's mom. I think she is like uh, moms are definitely an underutilized archetype in anime. And she is just uh, a super fascinating character. And she a lot is. of the time she seems like a terrible person, but also maybe a good mom. It's, it's like only history can <laughs> really only in Russia. Between Makima like, and yeah. Prospera, yeah. this season was good eating for compelling evil women. Yeah. Evil's probably a bit strong for Prospera, but she is shady. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell without knowing her motivations and whether she's... It's hard to tell whether she's manipulating Saleta or, like, completely believes in her to the point where she, like, always knows what she's... She's going to, like, step up and do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It hasn't been confirmed yet, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, say... uh, I'm I'm sticking with the theory that Saleta's a clone uh, and her actual child is in the robot. And that's why she's able to treat her a bit callously. I have heard that. I have heard that floated. Time will tell. That's definitely yeah. a, an anime favorite as well. Uh, putting somebody's ghost in a robot that someone else has to pilot. So Well, because Ariel talks. Ariel co- talks to Saleta, and I feel like that thread gets stronger throughout oh. this season. There's, oh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a many strong voices, implication. Though, correct? She always says, like, you guys, and seems to be responding to multiple people whenever she's talking to the gun bits. Uh, so I'm wondering if there's there's many spirits or something, or I don't know, multiple Saletas in there or something. The robots is people. Yeah, yeah. Multiple people. I'm just, I'm saying Ariel's plural, I guess is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, watch this one. Like, oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. This, like, like D said, this is why I watch anime. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's good. I'm gonna feel really bad if it if it flops <laughs> the ending. Yeah, season two. Right and there's always so the production concerns with the series as well. I'm glad they're yeah. uh, they're doing a split core rather than continuous. It seems like necessary. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there have been some some scheduling and production issues. So having a core off seems like a really smart idea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I live in I live in terror that they're gonna completely completely beef it on the ending because we've all watched enough anime to have a lot of stories of shows where we're like oh this is so great at the midway point and then i think we could name a few from just this year alone oh yeah so, uh, yeah the whole put a pin in that thought uh-huh oh man that's gonna start yeah because it, it like uh we, we've uh, yeah especially in the past two years gotten some big burns like uh wonder egg and then ranking of kings and uh, we yeah. would really like this one not to follow in their path yeah yeah those were the two at the top of my memory as well like oh mm-hmm. we were so high on these shows yeah. halfway through them and then what happened also it's like the um, show's doing everything right yeah how mm-hmm. how did it come to this uh and yeah. it does feel like g witch is really doing everything right i think we should turn wegging into a into a thing we say um yeah, yeah. like i hope that show doesn't wag it <laughs> i support this so oh, so yeah. all right, all right. so we all recommend the witch from mercury with the uh asterisk that we really hope it doesn't it doesn't wag it at the end uh d i gave up on i'm the villainous so i'm taming the final boss that's maybe fair. i'll pick up the source material yeah you that's it, fair though. i did finish it um i'm the villainous so i'm taming the final boss is one of those shows that it just has a lot of elements that I really enjoy in fiction. So even though it was not a particularly good adaptation, I still had fun with it start to finish. Um, Mm -hmm. I like proactive 
female characters who, you know, uh, take the world in their own hands. I like fantasy comedies. Um, I really enjoyed the second arc. The first one, like they, the first one I had read. So I think that also helped because I'd read the first couple volumes of the manga. Um, so I'd read the first arc of the story. So even though they were rushing through the material, I, I, I had all the background pieces that I could kind of fill in the gaps. Um, the second arc I really enjoyed, it was, it took place at a school. Um, it, uh, Eileen went, went cross-dressing heroin route, which I am a softy for, even though I know there's a lot of problems with, <laughs> with those particular storylines. Um, and I think because the story itself was a little more simple than the first and third arcs, because the story, it's, it's basically the first three light novels from what I could tell. And so I think of it as like three different arcs. Um, the it didn't feel rushed like it four episodes felt like about the amount the amount of time they needed to tell that middle arc and so i was really starting to enjoy it at that point and then the third arc was also just like they had to barrel through a lot of like the politicking and the backstory and introducing a new character and you get to know them and then they you know something happens and then you learn more about them and then eileen wins them over and it's just like whiplash inducingly fast um Mm. so it lost me a little bit again in the third arc even though like in broad strokes i basically liked what the story was doing um i think the biggest problem with this adaptation is because they had to kind of and this happened and this happened and this happened sort of pacing um eileen is still very charming and enjoyable um and some of her friends are too like some of the some of the supporting cast who don't have to be there a lot i think they i think they're able to like quickly show you like why they're an, an enjoyable character I think the adaptation what really hurt was uh, Claude, his relationship with Eileen never really clicked. So one of the reasons I think I enjoyed that middle arc better was because he's not really in it or he is, but they're, they're separated from each other. So you're getting like kind of two different storylines um, when they're together. They have this kind of like Sundere push and pull, which if you want that to work and not have it feel like, one of them is always kind of bullying the other in in a like awkward power dynamic kind of way. Um, you have to take time to like really show how that relationship functions. Um, and I think again, having read a little bit of the manga, um, I think it works better when there's time to like flesh out their relationship because they do kind of like, they kind of intentionally push each other's buttons and like, like, and in a, in a way that I think is more intriguing and fun to watch. And like, you get why they like each other when you have more time with it. But in this, there were definitely some moments with Claude where I was like, you just come across as like a possessive boyfriend who's yep. like too pushy, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that, that like pushy possessive shoujo romance, romantic hero who I, I've never liked. Um, so I had, a, I had a hard time with Claude. Um, I cannot. I could not recommend the adaptation. I've heard good things about the light novels. I know people who have read the light novels who are um, pretty high on the material. So maybe try it that way instead. If you if you did find the the bones of this enjoyable, um, I will say the ending theme absolutely slaps. I think it's my favorite ending theme of the year, um, and that's and that, that that's a high bar to clear. So it's got that going for it. Uh, um, so yeah, that's that's I'm the villainess from my end. Peter, anything to add? Yeah, I do agree that I thought the second arc was the best. And I, I do mm-hmm. think I actually liked Claude most in that circumstance because yes. I, I think a lot of how he ended up entering the story was somebody would, in a roundabout way, uh, insult Eileen or Eileen would make it sound like somebody had insulted her and he just goes full girlfriend defense mode. 
And mm-hmm. then I'm, and I was like, oh, so this is how, like, uh, now I kind of am like, oh, he does care. And he's, he's really pissed off that someone's talking shit about his girlfriend. Cause you know, everybody at the school mm-hmm. hates her, uh, because right. yeah, yeah, yeah. of weird political reasons. So yeah. yeah, I thought that clicked. It was definitely yeah. so fast. Um, yeah. and I was not God, a fan yeah. of the third arc. I think, uh, with, I, I was uh, coming back to Raven of the Other Palace. I feel like a lot of more like, uh, media directed toward women uh that gets adapted uh you're either looking at a something that sort of like covers the first arc introduces the central conflict or premise to entice people to read the the manga or the light novels or whatever and then mm-hmm. quits or something this is kind of like a new uh thing that i think we've seen a couple times now where it just speeds through all the material as fast as it can to get it done in a yeah. core yeah and, and I, I think there's i think there is more material but but they they find they sped through to get to what they thought would be the best stopping point. And yeah. I don't think you could, I don't think you could have ended with book two with, mm-hmm. with like that second arc. I don't think that would have made as, as much of a, I don't think that would have made as much sense as an ending. I think like the final confrontation between Eileen and the like main antagonist in that third arc, I think it works with the story, but God, they needed more episodes for it. Um, but yeah, you're right. That second arc, I think they do a better job of showing like, what makes Claude kind of charming because he's just a big awkward dork who hasn't spent a lot of time with other people and that's why he is the way he is and so anytime anytime the series is able to kind of let that breathe outside of some of his weirdness with Eileen I think it I think he makes more sense as a character Um, I really loved when he wrote her like that extensive flowery letter about how much he missed her and she basically like did the text response of K because she's like I don't I don't know how to reply to all that yeah, he really um, put himself those, out there. He stepped up to her challenge and then <laughs> got slapped down. I think, I think, I think that that dynamic of their relationship of like Eileen, Eileen will like is like very proactive and will kind of like push his buttons, but then like when he responds in kind, she doesn't know how to respond. She's like, I don't know how to do the romance. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, is is very fun and enjoyable. And then it, when they when they lose that, they they lose a lot of the the charm of of what I think the show could have been so yeah. anyway that's that's villain that's villainous taming the final boss uh, i still liked it i finished it um but yeah i really wish it had had it had had some time to breathe so yeah, that's good. a shame yeah. uh all right next uh almost at the top of the list we have bochi the rock a show that i ended up really liking even though it kind of almost lost me in the middle uh yeah yeah i yeah. like this one a lot uh, I feel like talking about it is a landmine, and I feel I'm like, do we have 30 minutes to untangle right. the oh, wow. show? Um, I, I feel like I can. Uh, I think I I can sort of sum up my thoughts sort of briefly. I think it it really. So I mentioned at the mid season that I was kind of uh, of two minds about it, and that it could be really good, and I love how creative it is in the medium. Like mm-hmm. I, I voiced my love for uh, for anime that does media mixing, uh, but. Also, it could feel a little, uh, t- t- a little too broad in a way that felt like it was uh, poking fun at Bochi more than yep. with her at times. Even though I don't think that was the intention. Clearly, looking at uh, the poor artist's experience at a con recently, he is drawing from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that after around the time they do their first concert the show really clicked back with me because it 
in the same way as Zombieland Saga, once it got some actual character relationships and some stakes around those where it believed in the emotional connections between these characters and that these characters care about one another, I felt like the humor was really reined in and secured, to, like moored to a more grounded place where even if it got really wacky, I knew that there was that th these girls care about each other and they care about Bochi and supporting her. So it didn't feel as uh, exhausting. And also I just think that some of the story arcs got a little better once, once Bochi was able to sort of, even though she's still very anxious um, and has troubles with self doubts, there is a clear trajectory for her character from their first concert up to the end of the series. I, I felt like that last four or five episodes was really, really good. Mm. Really, I liked the the creativity, uh, as, as did, it seems, everyone, with all the ways it was showing Bochy's freakouts and, and, you know, really having fun with the medium. Uh, but it got to the point where I started to feel like it was really taking up a lot of time that I would have preferred to have been spent developing the narrative. And it did get to the point where I started to feel like too much of Bochy was just anxiety as opposed to character building. Uh, so in that way, I, I kind of, I think in maybe the last third, I, I got a little annoyed at all of her anxiety sequences, just because I felt like it, it was, they were doing it because they wanted to do it because they wanted to do something fun with animation rather than they were doing it for narrative reasons or, uh, out of any consideration outside of like, oh, I thought of a new fun way to draw Bochi melting or exploding or glitching out or something but overall i i, I don't I, that's that sounds pretty negative i did i did overall like the series i like the narrative beats i really liked all the bandmates um i actually wish they got a bit more time that was spent on bochi uh turning yeah. into infinity symbols and shit uh, but <laughs> yeah uh i i'd say overall it was a, a very good show though don't want to take that away from it it sounds like you were a little uh split on it d have complicated feelings about this one and i don't you know brevity is the enemy of nuance so talking about it on a retrospective m might not be the best place for me to i dig into this mm -hmm. um i think the show i think the show did such a spot-on job of depicting mental illness but then it didn't know how to grapple with the actual realities of mental illness um to a point where it started to bother me um, like, especially in the back half, I mean, uh, one of the characters is an alcoholic. Um, she is oh, a, yeah, that's, oof. she is a, I mean, and uh, not even like, not even like, yeah, she gets blitzed on the weekends, but you know, she, but keeps it together. Otherwise, like, no, she is constantly drunk and it, and expressly says like, this is my cycle of coping with life. And I'm like, Hey, this is really bad. Uh. But then, like, with Bochi, like, in the in the first half, you get the sense that these spirals are happening in her head while she is going about her day-to-day -day life, right? So Bochi is full mm -hmm. of anxiety, but she is she is functional. She needs to work, like, uh, like, obviously the anxiety is impacting her life in ways that, it you know, she should find coping mechanisms and such. Um, the back half, like, she straight up disassociates, and then we cut to the people around her, and they're like, oh, she's gone. She has no memory. And she'll, like, have no recollection of, like, stretches of time. And... That is when it stops being like, oh, you have anxiety spirals in your brain to like, you are possibly like, you might be in danger of harming yourself at this point. And the show 
didn't seem to know the show does not know how to engage with that because like I don't expect the kids to be like oh Bochi should be in therapy because they're kids like as as a high schooler who had friends who and who were definitely struggling with mental illness none of us had those conversations we just went oh yeah that's so and so they're stre- they're stressed out or they're sad today or whatever um, but the adults in their lives like just ignore it and it really started to get on it started to like dig into me in the back half of like somebody mm. please like Bochi needs therapy. Like that is, and, and again, I, I don't, the show, I don't think that's what the show intended necessarily, Yeah. but it does such, it does such a spot on job of showing like severe anxiety that it's inability that it, it, it put itself in a position where it started to have a responsibility to actually engage with that. And it was not at all prepared or interested in doing so. And so there was this disconnect watching it where I was like, this is, this is fun or, or, Oh, these scenes of, of Bochi, like, you know, like doom spiraling are relatable to the way my brain works sometimes um, to this moment of like, okay, but if I, if I think about this, as an analyst, which is my job, unfortunately, sometimes it starts to get kind of troubling. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so that's where I, wonder, I am with the show. It's like I said, complicated. Do we have 30 minutes? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the dissociation scene in particular, like, yeah, you're right. Um, it didn't really stick out to me as I was watching. I wonder, like, obviously some of this has to be impacted by the approach to mental health in Japan, right? Where you just, you just deal with it. You don't go to, and that's not to say it, the show or shouldn't take that opportunity to be like, hey, maybe you should get some help. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's trying um, in its way and maybe not enough uh, because uh, of those scenes that hit on something r- real feeling rather than exaggerated. I think it, it is trying to do that version of, of care with Bochi in having her friends come together to like watch over her and make sure she doesn't get lost or, uh, and, and, or to bring her back or, you know, to know where she is when she goes missing and to have that sort of look, nobody's looking out for us, but we're looking out for each other kind oh, of yeah. thing. Which, uh-huh. And the, again, the interactions between the, the teens, between the friend group, I really liked because I do like that sense of support and community. Um, I would also make the, I would, maybe make the point that like, Hey, Hey folks at home. Um, it's not your job as a 15 year old to be in charge of your 15 year old friend's mental health. It isn't. Um, It isn't. um, Like, so it's, you know, it is, it is that element of like, I love the acceptance and support that her friends give her where they're like, Oh, we know you're having a spiral right now. We're going to give you some space, some space to work through that. Like, I, I like that of it, but again, the way they depict it is so severe. And so like, again she she walks she walks like halfway through the school and like has no memory of that happening um she's like how did i get here and i'm like oh this is concerning boach hey kid um so the adults in her life just being like oh look at that look at that sweet child um it it didn't it didn't sit great with me uh that particular aspect of it um because you know and like we've, we've talked about this on other shows too i think there are I think there's, you know, there's situational mental health where like, you know, things like finding a hobby or a, a support or a community can like do dramatic, can dramatically help your mental health. And maybe you don't need anything beyond that. Maybe that was the thing you needed. Um, I think that Bochi the Rock depicts Bochi in such a way that I don't, I, I am not convinced that music and friendship are going to, <laughs> are, are going, are, is all that Bochi needs to like live a, 
a, a healthy life. So um, I, yeah, that was, that was where I was with this. I ended the show still, con- I was still concerned for her and I think I wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I've, I've talked too much about this. I'm sorry. It's supposed to <laughs> feel funny, but uh, it is kind of like, uh, is Bochi okay? Yeah. I feel, I feel like I overthought a lot of shows this season. Mm-hmm. So and I, I don't know where the line is in terms of like depiction and responsibility of artists. And we could go in circle all day talking about, well, maybe it isn't an artist's responsibility to like, you know, take a stance. Maybe the depiction is all that needs, but I don't know when you're writing stuff for young adults, I feel like there's more, there's more responsibility there to like nudge them towards healthy expressions. And yeah. No, I get it. Like, like I said, I ended up positive on the show, but I think it is sort of, a tangle and I have no justifications or excuses for funny alcoholic. That's nothing. Why mm-hmm. was that there? Yeah. Yeah. All that having been said, I did co-sign the recommend. I did. I am going to co-sign the recommendation for it. Yeah, so yeah. that's where, that's where I am with this complicated show. Yeah. If you're listening mm-hmm. to this, keep in mind that all of us like the show actually. Uh, yeah. Just that, you know, it's complicated. Yeah. It's when complicated. I start, to, I, <laughs> yeah. When I start, I, yeah, I just need to turn my brain off sometimes. Anyway. We can move on unless there's more you guys wanted to say about Bochi. No, no, I think that's all that we can. Maybe, maybe if they, when they make a season two, this was ridiculously popular. We can do a retrospective. So let me, uh, allow me to give you something perfect for turning your brain off, which is Akiba Made War, a show that (laughs) delights me. Mm. Did you finish that one, Fry? I I did. I finished it um, like a few hours ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Peter, did you, so, you knock that one out as well, right? We all watched that one? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. I had I, such a good time. Go on. I, I had, this was another one that I felt like I, there were moments watching it where I was like trying to approach it critically. And I'm like, I would have moments where I'm like, oh, the show's trying to say a thing. And then the next episode, I'd be like, no, it's not trying to say anything. It really just wants me to enjoy watching maids kill each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was definitely on tonally with this one where I wasn't sure how I was supposed, how the, how I was expected to engage with it. Um, I, I dropped it halfway through and I did come back because other people were really high on it. Um, and I ended up, I ended up liking the final arc. Um, so right. You, you, you liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about um, that. All right. <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I um, I think that you're right. It's not. So my knee jerk at this point is to uh, can compare any show that starts out with uh, an absurd uh, premise and add a lot of good looking action and then snowballs into something I really, really like to Akadama Drive. Uh, Akiba Made War is not as smart as Akadama Drive. Um, but I think um because getting into that last arc which i really enjoyed i think yeah if you try to for a second there i was afraid that it was trying to say something about structural violence and i got a little nervous uh because it simply does not map this show works really well as long as it is about we've taken the format of an old yakuza movie and we've overlaid 90s um, otaku and moe culture on top of it. And in the process of that, it sort of elucidates some interesting things about the ways that women tend to be depicted in anime and in moe, moe descendants, shall we say. I think um, 
you know, I, I commented from the beginning that I think it's really interesting that the the actresses in the show get to use their lower registers and uh, how rarely you get to see that. I think that this is a standout career performance uh, for Rena Kondo, who mm-hmm. normally plays like really cute up uh, up talk type heroines, and sh- her her performance as as Nagomi is so varied and her range is so good just on what she does with her voice i think this show is worth watching solely for that and just giving these women a chance to stretch and play the kind of notes that they might not get a lot of even if they're working a lot and i think that is something that really stuck with me about this show and the fact that it's it's moe and you know the the joy of servitude stuff that that went into maids and then when the maid boom died it i think turned into the uh slavery apologia we have now that's a whole conversation on its own but so it's interesting to have that stuff but also in like these are <sighs> but there's no panty shots and it's not particularly fan servicey despite all these ridiculous outfits and the action scenes are really good and you know it's a good anime because it has a baseball episode like maybe uh. it's just a maybe it's just appealing to me because it has those throwback elements too mm-hmm. but i think it's it's so good at evoking a tone and an era and being smart in the way it mixes genres in a way that i feel like a lot of gimmick shows don't think through. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I just, by the end, even though there were parts where like, oh, well, if I think about this on, on a grander thematic level, it simply does not work. Uh, you cannot tell me that we're uh, dismantling the violence of the Yakuza. And now we just have make, you know what? I'm, I've done, I'm done. I've done. Nagomi's character ended in a satisfying spot and they're a family. All right, we're good. And that's, <laughs> That's where I ended up with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I enjoyed it most when it was kind of being a satire. Um, mm-hmm. I re- The baseball episode, I quite liked. I, I loved that, like, Nagomi's so dedicated to, like, no, we're just going to have a nice baseball game that everybody sort of buys into it and then just pretends that they didn't do a murder on the field. Um, <laughs> the... I really liked the one where the drill sergeant comes in because I actually hated the first half of that episode. And then Mm -hmm. at the end when they're like, hey, actually, to hell with this. That's not who we are and that's not who we want to be. Then by the end of it, I really liked it um, because it did feel like a pushback against like corporate culture. Um, I think there's a way to read this show as a pushback against like cutthroat capitalism and like this idea of like we don't have to like fight each other. We can kind of all be on the same side and enjoy the work we do for the sake of the work we do. Um, Mm. I also think there's a way to read it as like the whole show is about like uh, women being, you know, engaging in like very like unladylike behavior. And our finale is that we have scrubbed that from the world and now everything is sweet and sanitized. Um, And, and that's the version, that's the reading that, doesn't sit great with me but does the show want me to read it like that probably not probably i'm just supposed to have a good time and this is why being a feminist critic is tough you guys because i just wanted to have a good time and i left the show going well hmm, i could read it like this or i could read it like that or yeah so um i had fun with it but i'm not sure what i was supposed to take away from it is is kind of where i ended up like right like that like 30 second closer is just supposed to be like yeah you guys nagomi's doing good she's not nice i mean Uh, mean, actually 
I actually really liked the 30 second closer. I liked yeah, that too. moment of like, mm-hmm. she's, she's in her thirties. Um, she is, she is, and she is, she has survived this. She is disabled. She is very happy. Um, I think that, I think that closer is really nice for her as a character and that idea of mm-hmm. like, she was able to, she genuinely loved doing this. And that's like the basis of the show, right? Is she enjoys this job. And so she genuinely loved doing this and she just wanted to be able to do that. And so the fact that she is able to do it, even as an older woman, which the show with her older quote unquote, she's in her thirties, um, which the show continually points out like, oh, you can't be a maid past the age of 30. And they're like, screw you. Anybody can be a maid if they want to be. I love that mm-hmm. element of it. Um, Pretty sure everyone who said that got killed by Ronco. So mm-hmm. it's just, and, and, and you know, I don't know enough about the maid industry in Japan to know like what it's drawing on from that specifically. So like, I would love an article about this from somebody who is well-versed in the subject. I think there's, Honestly, I think there's some cool yeah. stuff you could dig out of Akiba made war. I am personally not sure what I'm supposed to dig out of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there but are very fun. cool, cool, cool ep- individual episodes and motifs. And I love the characters. Uh, if a, a grand unifying thesis statement, it does not have, or rather if you try too hard, it probably, it probably goes sour. <laughs> I'd love to see, I would love, but again, I would love to see that article because I think there's probably something, something interesting that you could dig out of this that I am just maybe not quite seeing because I don't have all the context. So again, Mm -hmm. if anybody wants to throw that at me, let's do it. Yeah. Um, I I think I sort of had that feeling the entire time I was watching the show. I was like, I feel like maybe the show is trying to tell me something, but I don't have a single clue what it could possibly be. Um, I got nothing. I do think uh, it did have a, uh, a, PA works, I think, has a tendency, uh, much like Trigger, to kind of get lost in their own sauce, like maybe in the the beginning third to the middle of their show, where they uh, kind of lose focus a bit before moving into whatever their like central premise of their series is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like this show kind of made up for that weakness, maybe by just being very adaptable to a sort of vignette structure, uh, which allowed mm-hmm. them to do a lot of the one-off episodes early on in the series before moving into their. The, the central, like, I don't know what you'd call the the main plot of the, the revolution. The made war. The revolu- yeah, 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 the made war. Sure. The uh, made revolution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I do think it was, in addition to it being a creative idea, it was a good one specifically for PA Works to do. Yeah, I, I love PA. I, you know, PA Works props for just doing whatever the hell you want. I, I appreciate it. Um, it's, I don't always like everything they come out with, but I generally respect them and appreciate them for doing stuff that is a little bit off the beaten path. So, um, I was shocked yeah. that they're doing buddy berries this season. If nothing else. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll be, I'm, I have to at least try it. Cause PA works. I got it. Yeah. I got to at least give it a try. Um, yeah, smash- shout, out, shout out to, to PA works for filling the man globe shaped hole in my heart. <laughs> they're, re- they're really getting there. Yeah, smash some genres together and just do your thing, um, mm-hmm. and and we'll see what happens. So yeah, glad glad the right. show exists, even if I'm not you know 100 percent sure how I feel about it at the end of the day. Yeah, fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, shall we speed run some sequels? Yeah, that's I, a good idea. Sure. I am shocked that I couldn't uh, f- that that I couldn't stir up the enthusiasm to recommend Spy Spy Family by the end. I am shocked. Hmm. What? Yeah. Uh, first part was terrific. Second part was just, it. they just kind of got mired down in like one-off episodes. It was never bad. It just wasn't like, I, I didn't, I didn't come to it like, hell yeah, Spy Family every week, like I had in mm-hmm. the first half. Um, and I think the, the, the jealous secondary love interest 
for uh, Lloyd is not a, I don't think they handled that character as well as they could have. Not as poorly as they could have either. Um, But I just wasn't particularly here for that storyline. So, uh, I mean, it was a witch show. Witch shows are always rougher in the second core. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Villain saga fans watch uh, out. uh, Studio wit, make a show that isn't dramatically weaker in the second half challenge. That's why they just started handing off all their season twos to MAPPA at this point. Don't like, do that guys, to Mappa. They're overworked enough as it is. Uh, no, I mean, I still enjoyed it. I would still recommend it. Um, I just... Yeah, I can't yeah, write no, my, I... So, yeah. Not I liked the same it. highs as the first part. No, and it is. It's, you can just tell it was probably the part in the manga where the writer went, oh, this is going to go for a while. Um, um, let me do some side... Let me do some one-off, like, shots with some of the characters before I build up to another big arc. Yeah. Um, and having yeah, read the manga, see. I know there's another big arc after this that is very fun. Um, and I look forward to the inevitable season two or season three. I don't know where we are. So uh, I don't the, know how they're the, counting the course. It looks like the the boat arc is going to be a movie. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing Ooh. season three after that. All right. I like that. Okay, cool. Um, I look forward yeah. to more of it. It's still a fun show. Um, but yeah, the second the second arc just, I think, kind of got mired down in um, episodic stories rather than like having a through line. Yeah, I, I guess I should clarify that I did. Like you said, the show was never not enjoyable to watch. It, it never sank below. Yeah, I'm having a nice time watching Spy Family. But I guess at a certain point, I did get sort of irritated that it was... It it never... Most shows that start their second core with like episodic one-offs that are fun at least end on like a big three or four episode arc to like bring it back together and land some emotional character beats. And that just didn't really happen with Spy Family. So I sort of felt like it was wasting my time padding out for the inevitable movie. Yeah, And that it, was it, kind it, of lame. No, cut that. That was that, that was kind of unfortunate. It's definitely a, a second core that knows there's going to be lots more that they're just going they're going to keep adapting it. So there's not really an attempt to like find a like you said like a like an emotionally satisfying ending because they're like, well, yeah, obviously we're going to keep making more. So don't worry about it, guys. Yeah, I think uh, they they definitely kind of knew that they wanted to. Do, I think do the boat arc, which is a fan favorite, uh, and definitely something to look forward to for all the fans who maybe weren't enchanted with the second season. That's uh, uh-huh. yeah, a movie, so the second season sort of suffered. I feel like the big problem with part two is there's really no uh, Lloyd your development, uh, and the the, the the like throwing Fiona in there just doesn't really come to anything. They they just kind of yeah. are they're they're brought back to square one by the end of it. It's wheel spinning. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It's long running shonen wheel spinning. There's usually at least one arc in in, in even the best of shonen series. Which is why so. they should have adapted the date night chapter, which they skipped for some reason, which it messed up and makes me question all the decisions that they made in making the anime <laughs> personally. Because that's <laughs> one of the best chapters. Trust why did lost. we not get to see your get shot in the butt yeah. in animated format? <laughs> I, really, I Yor is so underutilized overall. Yep. That really started to bum me out in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a your perspective chapter too, because uh, mm-hmm. it's it's your suffering, and then Lloyd's every every once in a while switch to Lloyd trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and back to your again. Yeah, yeah. What uh, the heck? Don't worry, Ooh, Ryan, that would have fixed everything. It would have. Yeah. We just needed that one episode. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> ship arc is also the the, the big your arc. So. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that movie we, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we have that to look forward to. Okay, uh, I only need about 30 seconds for Pop Team Epic season two. If you sort of if you liked parts of season one but were kind of eh on it overall, 
check out season two. I feel like the team really learned a lot from their work on Gal and Dino, where season two, ha- it still has some of those hyper shorts where we're just slapping you in the face and then running away. But it is it feels a lot more controlled and considered about doing slightly longer sketches that are interesting, even when they're not laugh out loud funny. Uh, there is a superb uh, book ending live action sequence with Shota Aoi that is just a delight. Oh my God. Um, and the only thing that kind of drags is they had that official Final Fantasy money to do parodies that got to use the names and everything. And most of those feel a little bit flabby um, because it's almost like, well, we've got the money. It feels like they're not going as hard as they might uh, on material that they could, that, that they just had carte blanche on and weren't getting official approval for. Yeah. If you like Final Fantasy fourteen, though, you'll like Pop Team Epic Season Two. If you've, <laughs> if you've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen for the past ten years or whatever, so Chiaki needs to catch up on this, is what you're saying. I, I think, yep. I think she has, uh, or has at least been following all the Final Fantasy fourteen memes like I have. So okay, good. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad she has that in her life. Then mm-hmm. also, Pop Team Epic says support your local union. That was a fun surprise in the last episode. Oh, damn. Nice. nice, excellent. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's all. <laughs> okay. Well, then the next up is Mob Psycho 100 season three, the final season. Um, I mean, I'll just say this right now. I'm recommending it for the fall season. And there's a very, very good chance I'll be recommending it on my year on my top five year list. Um, it the I wasn't super sold on it at about the midway point. Um, I think the the, the the first arc is fine. It just wasn't as good as season two was. Season two was tremendous. Um but I think it wraps itself up really, really well. The the final arc with Mob. It was another one. It started, and I was like, "What are you doing with this? I'm not sure how I feel about this." Yeah, same. Um, but but by the end of it, I again like it. What it was building to was exactly what it needed to be building to. Um, yep. as far as Mob's story goes, um, it's a really good uh narrative about adolescence. And the the ugly parts of ourselves that we maybe want to pretend don't belong to us, but like that, you know, part of growing up is like accepting that that is a part of us and like, you know, how how do we deal with that um, rather than like just letting it spiral out of control. Um, Mob and Reagan continue to be like a surprisingly good like parental figure relationship. I think the show continues to do some really interesting things in, in terms of like masculinity. Um I was, yeah. Oh, at at the end, I was at the end. I was very satisfied with it. I do think season two is the strongest overall of the show, um, but it 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 brings it to a very a very worthwhile and valuable conclusion. So that's where I am with Mob Psycho. How yeah. about you, Peter? I'm I'm very excited. I think uh, yeah. Season three was like three mini arcs, each of which I was very concerned about to start with. That had a spectacular ending over and over again. Like the Dimple one, I wasn't sure what I was going through. Then the payoff was great. Uh, they had that weird episode setting up the alien arc, which then had a tremendous, like full episode payoff that I was not expecting at all. It seemed like just, it, it did. I do have, I do have to make one note. There is a joke in the, there's like a, I loved, I loved that second episode until the like post credits. There's like this weird post credit scene where one of the kids gets abducted by the aliens. Um, and there's, they basically have like a rager, and he wakes up covered in lipstick marks and it's very uncomfortable because these not only because i mean this would be uncomfortable no matter how old he is but he's like 14 yeah. so 
Um, didn't love that. And it's, it's like a one-off very quick little joke in that episode. And I was like, oh, oh, hey, that's not actually funny. But it's also unclear if that even happened or if it was just like meant to be like a, a goof. Yeah. yeah, like a fever dream the kid had. So I don't know about that. But um, I did have to bring that up because that left a sour taste in my mouth at the end of what was otherwise like a just fantastically delightful uh, two-parter about the the paranormal investigation club. So, but yeah, sorry, Peter, you were saying. So then the third arc happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that one just had like a really slow lead up. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really felt like it was spinning its wheels. But then, of course, the finale was an, another spectacular emotional conclusion. And I, I like that, uh, as you were saying, uh, the, the thing about us not wanting to accept certain parts of ourselves. I, I do kind of not like typically how kind of a darker side of somebody's can be portrayed by as a different person. Um, Mm -hmm. but one as usual kind of just took it to the next level by saying like, no, that that's mob was trying to separate that as like a, a separate entity. Um, Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to accept that about himself. And the whole idea was no, it, it, it's like it, 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 recognizing that it was part of himself and that there's just one mob and then kind of like reaching acceptance, uh, going 100 percent for real so something like that it actually kind of reminded me of a yeah it's celeste yeah it was good all right yeah so that one we are continuing continuing to recommend Mo- to recommend mob psycho right up until its finale so surprising so, yeah mob still yeah good. wow <laughs> well for well for a show i soft dropped three episodes into the first season i am con- i continue to be very impressed at where where mob took its story and you know how much uh, how much meat wound up being on those on those bones, um, and like just it was way more optimistic than I thought it was going to be at the start, and I, I really appreciate that how how warm the warm core it found underneath some of the like initial cynicism. So yeah, uh, good for you, one. Always sticks the landing. Yeah, uh, Peter, did you want to talk at all about Golden Conway or Berserk? You were also watching those. Uh, Golden Conway just got far enough to hit its most spectacular sequence in the entire manga, in my opinion. And then, of course, they had the the, uh, the tragic death on the staff and are postponing the anime. I think until like mid this year. So oh, that's right. Yeah, that is sad. At that point. Um, okay. Berserk is a remake of the three movies. So if you watch the three movies, uh, it's it's pretty much the same thing with maybe some additional content here and there. Okay. Uh, not too much to say, uh, except that Berserk is amazing, and you should watch Berserk, uh, no matter <laughs> what what way you want to consume it. It's really good, and it is very disappointing that they're, the major countdown announcement they were doing for three months was just for a Blu-ray and not for another season or something. <laughs> Those teases, yeah. Yeah. Also, it is some nonsense that uh, Berserk 97 finally got rescued on Netflix, except in North America. <laughs> yeah, uh, right well, now we, now we now we know what the rest of the world what the rest of the world feels like a lot of the time. All the time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I try to keep that in mind whenever they get something nice that we don't. I'm just like, dang, well, good for you. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad for them. I'm just sad for me. I, well, I have, the, I have the DVDs. So but. what was it last year we got Nana or to the, 2021 we got Nana, uh, 2022 we got Monster. So maybe 2023 uh, someone will rescue Berserk or, or some other beloved uh, like 90s to early O's anime that has been lost. Mm-hmm. Bacchano. Bacchano. Right. <laughs> continuing. Yeah, this is this is continuing to be the uh, Annie Femme Bacchano fan cast. Always Heck and yeah. forever. Hmm. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Anna Fam. Uh, obviously, 
even cutting shows, we still ran a little bit long. So if we didn't cover something you wanted us to, or uh, that you have more to say on a certain show, please do chime in down in the comments. You know, we love to hear from you. Uh, if you liked what you heard, consider going to the site, animefeminist.com. You can find more writing and podcasts. If you really liked what you heard, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash animefeminist, or our Kofi, where you all can also do one-off or monthly donations. Uh, co- uh, co-fi.com slash anime feminist uh funding sources really do help us keep going be able to pay our our hard work and staff and to be able to pay our contributors uh particularly right now uh we are trying to save up on our Kofi to raise payment rates for our writers and editors because they work really hard to bring you uh the features that you enjoy so we want to pay them more they're worth it you can also find us on social media we are on twitter at anime feminist we're on Tumblr at Anime Feminist, and we are also on Mastodon at Anime Feminist, and also co-host, technically. I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining us, AnnaFam, and now I'm going to turn around and go back to reviewing premieres, because anime simply does not stop. <laughs>